Chapter 3. By what standard? Attorney David Gibbs has devoted many years to defending the lawful independence of the family from encroachments by the state. He argues that Christians need to develop a clear standard of righteousness if they are to preserve the integrity of their families. To prove his point, he says the following conversation could take place if a Christian parent finds himself on the witness stand. Quote, they are going to ask you this, do you own a television? And you'll say, yes I do. How much did that television cost? $500. Where do you keep that television? In the living room or in the family room? Why do you keep it there? We keep it there so that the most people can see it. Now, answer me this about that television. Isn't it true that if you don't plug in that television and turn it on, it is inoperable? That television cannot do anything to you until you do something to it. For it to reach you, you have to make it reach you. Isn't that true? Yes, that's all true. Having said all of that, let me ask you this on this television. Do you ever hear obscenity? Do you ever hear someone cuss? Yeah. There's not a given evening that you can watch it that it will not use, in your presence, profanity and obscenity. Is there any nudity or matters of pornography? Do you, on that television, ever see unrighteous themes exalted? All the time. Do you ever see righteous themes debased? Yeah. And you have no problem watching those and having that in your house? An instrument that you have to pay hundreds of dollars to get, that you put right in the most travelled portion of your house, and that you have to make it do it to you before it do it, before it can do it to you. What happened to your convictions? End quote. According to Mr Gibbs, Christians need to know what standard they live by and live it as consistently as possible. I don't think the point is whether we have a TV in our house or not. Rather, I think the issue is, by what standard? Knowing what it is and how to apply it without compromise in a pagan society. But even more important is, who determines what standard Christian families should live? In 1984, there was a famous case, Nebraska ex relatio Douglas versus Faith Baptist Church. The pastor and parents of Faith Baptist Church were found guilty. What happened? These Christian parents dared to tell the state that it had no right to set the standard for the education of their children. What did the state do? It said that all the teachers in this Christian school had to comply with, quote, state regulations, end quote, meaning the teachers had to be licensed by the state. The pastor and the parents refused because this was a church school and the state had no jurisdiction over the church. Furthermore, one Christian educator, Robert Thoburn of Fairfax Christian School near Washington, D.C., likes to say, quote, If I comply with the state, I will have to lower my school standards, end quote. As for the students' ability in this small Christian school in Nebraska, they tested out way ahead of the, quote, public school, end quote, kid. So, Quality of education was not the issue. It usually isn't. That's why Christian education has surpassed public school education. It always has. The real issue in Nebraska was by what standard?
In this chapter, we want to answer this question. It's the third covenantal principle of the family. Ethics, meaning moral law. By what standard should families be governed? Who sets the standard of family life? Is it the state's law? No, the Ten Commandments. The standard is summarised by Moses. He specifically told the parents of Israel what they were to teach their children. He said, quote, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged, And these words which I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. End quote. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 to 9. God calls all parents to live by God's standard, the word of God. Here is the principle. In fact, Moses was particularly commanding parents to teach their children God's law. In one sense, God's law is the whole Bible. In another, it is summarised in the Ten Commandments themselves, so that the standard is clear. Let us consider some of their applications to families. What we find is that the Ten Commandments are divided into two groups of five commandments each. But what we also find is that both of these groups of five points parallel the five-part covenant structure that I outlined in Chapter 1. A. First Five Commandments Quote Then God spoke all these words, saying, 1. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. 2. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, and the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take, three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 5. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. B. Second Five Commandments. 6. You shall not murder. 7. You shall not commit adultery. 8. You shall not steal. 9. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. 10. 
you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. Commandment 1. The first part of the biblical covenant establishes God as the ultimate authority. He owns the world. This identifies God as the source of the covenant. The first commandment identifies God as the liberator. It teaches that God's redemption demands total allegiance. The commandment begins, quote, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, end quote. Exodus 20 verse 2. God delivered Israel from bondage. His demand, quote, no other gods, end quote. Chapter 20 verse 3. Because God had provided salvation, Israel was to give its undivided loyalty to him. Two points. First, parents should realise that God claims their whole family, even their children, because Christ redeemed the world, quote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. End quote. John chapter 3 verse 16. Just as God brought Israel out of Egypt, including families, and not just individuals, and thereby demanded total allegiance from every family, so Christ makes claim on the families of the world. Paul makes this comparison when he says, quote, I do not want that you be unaware that all our fathers who passed under the cloud all passed through the sea. All, even the children, were baptised into Moses in the cloud in the sea. All, even the children, ate the same spiritual food and all, even the children, drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. End quote. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 to 4. Parents should teach their children that they should depend on Christ because he has redeemed their world. Second, quote, he who is saviour has the right to demand complete devotion. End quote. The state understands this. That's why it wants to command, that's why it wants to command total submission to its will, making people think that it can provide for us from womb to tomb. The best way to fight such a false god is with the true Saviour and God, Jesus Christ. The correct method for fending off false gods is to train up a generation that knows the true God. Then they will not permit the state to act like a Saviour. Commandment 2. The second part of a biblical covenant establishes God's authority and his required hierarchy of responsibility. After beginning with the identification of himself as the liberator, God then commands worship. Think of it. Worship is the second most important commandment, the next two being further expansions on the second, and all the rest following in priority. Failure to worship God is worse than murder. It's worse than adultery. It's worse than stealing. The writer to the Hebrews says, quote, Let us draw near to the throne of God, with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in worship, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 to 25. The highest privilege of every family is worship. Parents should take their children to church so that they can worship as a family. The family that, quote, prays together, stays together, end quote. But families should also worship together in the home. Worship should be at the top of activities for the family. Commandment 3. The third section of a biblical covenant establishes the principles of obedience. It is concerned with law. This commandment is a little more difficult to apply. God says that his name should not be taken in vain. Does this have to do with cussing? Although I do not think it is good to use profanity, I don't think that's what God is referring to here, except indirectly. The same Hebrew word is used by Job when he says, quote, For he, God, knows deceitful, vain men. He sees wickedness also. Job chapter 11, verse 11. Vanity in this verse is parallel with wickedness. So to take the Lord's name in vain means to be deceitful with his name. How would this be done? For instance, it would mean swearing to something and trying to add power or authority to your testimony by using God's name. You would be calling down God's authority to back up your word as if he comes at man's beck and call. God's name cannot be manipulated for men's purposes. A biblical example is the case where some Jewish exorcists tried to use Jesus' name to cast out demons. But since God's name cannot be used deceptively, nor should it be applied in a manipulative fashion, they were attacked by the demons. They weren't under Christ's authority, so they were using his name deceitfully in their exorcism. The demons were not deceived, however, and beat them severely. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 to 16. The family should teach its members that God's name is not a genie's lamp. God wants his people to trust and obey. He cannot be manipulated by man for the purposes of man. Commandment 4. The fourth part of a biblical covenant is judgment, imposing sanctions. Someone has to apply God's law to specific historic situations. It is always associated with the day of the Lord, meaning the final judgment. Exercising judgment on earth is analogous to God's announcing judgment on that final day. The fourth commandment deals with the weekly day of the Lord, or Lord's Day. In the Old Testament, this was called the Sabbath. It is a day of weekly self-judgment. We examine ourselves and our previous week's work in preparation for the next week of work. The examination is done prior to taking communion in those churches that have weekly communion, which is why they have weekly communion. God addresses the issue of time in the fourth commandment. God addresses the issue of time in the fourth commandment. Man is to work six days and worship and rest for one day. The old Puritans believed this was as much a commandment about work as it was about rest. Indeed, the whole Protestant work ethic is built on the strong Sabbath emphasis of earlier Protestant Christians. Are Christians still supposed to work six and rest one? The writer to the Hebrews says, There remains therefore a rest, literally Sabbath rest, 
for the people of God. End quote. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. The big difference, however, is that the New Testament people are supposed to keep their rest on Sunday, the day of the resurrection of Christ. The early New Testament Christians kept this practice according to Luke's record. Quote, now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, end quote, Acts 20, verse 7. From the fourth commandment, families learn two things. One, work is good, and it comes before play. Children should learn to work first, and then play. Two, it is just as important to learn how to rest. One day a week should be devoted to worship and rest. Sunday used to be a traditional family day in our society, a time when everyone relaxed. Today, many stores are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. At the present rate, our civilization is going to run itself into the ground. In our society, we find two extremes, workaholics and leisure freaks. The fourth commandment curbs both. Commandment five. The fifth part of a biblical covenant is concerned with inheritance. It establishes the basis of continuity over time. The fifth commandment is primarily a commandment about inheritance, even though it speaks of honouring father and mother. Notice that the promise attached to it is, quote, that your days may be long and the land which the Lord your God is giving you, end quote. Chapter 20, verse 12. The Apostle Paul quotes the same verse making one slight extension, quote, that you may live long on the earth, end quote, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3. See the difference? Exodus 20, verse 12 says, land, meaning the promised land of Canaan, and Paul says, earth, referring to the whole world. So, by obeying parents, biblical ones, a rich inheritance is received, just as Jesus said, quote, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. End quote. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Families should be taught that God's people inherit everything. Children should be instructed that the world belongs to them if they obey God. This was the attitude with which our forefathers came to this country. This world was theirs, and they came to claim it. Of course, the Bible also tells how the inheritance should be claimed. Quote, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God, end quote. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. This is a real vision for success and prosperity. Commandment 6. We begin a repetition of the five-point covenant structure. The first commandment speaks about God's sovereignty. The sixth commandment prohibits the destruction of the image of this Lord, the Sixth Commandment prohibits the destruction of the image of this Lordship. Since man is the image of God, he images God's sovereignty. To murder man is tantamount to a challenge to the sovereignty of God. Quote, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. End quote. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. Murder is also a threat to the family. How? The image of God is male and female together. Moses says, quote, God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Marriage images God. To murder the image of God, therefore, ultimately attacks the whole family. Long before abortion was legalised, murder was removed from the category of capital offence. Can you see the relationship? In a society that tolerates the murder of 1.5 million unborn American babies each year, this desperately needs to be communicated. Needless to say, the Sixth Commandment has been muddled in people's thinking these days. People are allowed to kill innocent children, and politicians are reluctant to take a stand against communist insurgents, even when they're on our own borders. But those who promote such foods also cry out against capital punishment. Murderers are to be given milder sentences. Abortionists are to be left alone. In short, the guilty are protected, while the innocent are slaughtered. We need a generation of parents who raise up a future generation of children who understand that murder is an assault on the whole family. Commandment 7. The second part of a biblical covenant deals with authority and hierarchy. This commandment refers to hierarchy and responsibility in the family. Adultery has to do directly with the family. It speaks of faithfulness to marriage vows. Solomon, who was an expert on adultery, he had over 900 wives and concubines at one time, has these chilling words for anyone who considers adultery. The commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the ways of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Quote, the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids, for by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals, and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes in to his neighbour's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Proverbs chapter 6 verses 23 to 29. End quote. Parents should teach their children that being faithful to marriage vows affects the whole of life. It is a matter of keeping that sacred covenant I referred to in the first chapter. Adultery means just that, breaking a sacred vow. If it is not learned in family life, the whole society becomes adulterous. A nation that cheats on its wives will not be a people that keeps its word. Commandment 8 the third part of a biblical covenant deals with living ethically, according to God's law, and not manipulatively. This commandment prohibits one of the most obvious forms of manipulation, theft. The Apostle Paul says a thief has two problems. Quote, let him who steal, steal no longer, but rather let him labour, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. End quote. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 A thief needs to work and to give to another person who has need. In short, he needs to stop thinking about his needs at the expense of the needs of his potential victims. 
He needs to quit living by manipulation of others. He needs to quit living by manipulation of others' property and become obedient. There is a Jewish proverb that says, quote, A man who will not teach his son a trade teaches him to become a thief. Labour advances dominion. Theft restricts it, including theft through unlimited, unbiblical taxation. Families should learn to work and tithe and give to the church. A man who will not work will not tithe. And if he will not do either, he is a master manipulator, a thief. Commandment 9. The fourth part of a biblical covenant deals with judgment, imposing sanctions. This commandment has to do with not, quote, bearing false witness, unquote. Speaking of the tongue and its proper use, what does this have to do with sanctioning? With the tongue, man brings a false witness and sanctions falsely. On the other hand, James says it's the last chapter in the story of taking dominion. The proper form of sanctioning. Here is what he says. Quote, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every beast and bird, or reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. End quote. James chapter 3 verses 5 to 9. Families and children should learn how to control the tongue. Children should learn there is a time to speak and not to speak. James says that a man cannot control the rest of his body if he cannot deal with his tongue. If families want to have dominion for Christ, they will have to train the tongue. When the state tries to control what the parents can teach their children, it is attempting to legislate or sanction the mouth. It is endeavouring to prohibit what God tells parents to do, teach the proper use of the mind and mouth. Commandment 10. The fifth part of a biblical covenant deals with inheritance, continuity over time. In this commandment, God has much to say about our neighbour's property when he says not to covet what is ours. Coveting means to want something that belongs to another and to desire it to such an extent that the covetous person might even consider theft. This commandment refers to the unlawful attempt to take another's entire estate, wife, animals, property, house, real estate, etc. This commandment nips in the bud both theft and adultery. It acknowledges that the eye is the seat of sin, which is why Jesus warned, If your eye offends you, pluck it out. End quote. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. If it leads you to sin, then better to be blind. In short, sin is a terrible evil with consequences worse than blindness. There is nothing wrong with wanting a better life, but families should teach their children that covetousness is sin. To focus on another's possessions to the extent that the covetous person considers theft or oppression of the other person's estate, patrimony, 
is a soul-destroying lust. Since our culture is a welfare society, fostered by a covetous civil government, it is a world of lusting and coveting. Children should learn early on that they should work for their own possessions and take their eyes off of what the other children have. Conclusion The Ten Commandments presents a double witness to God's covenant structure. They call men to obey a God who delivers them from bondage. To refuse to obey him is to accept moral bondage as a way of life. The task of parents is to raise up a generation that wants moral freedom to obey God. The Ten Commandments are the standard for every family. Summary Every family needs a standard. God's revealed standard undergirds the lawful, God-given independence of the family as a separate covenant structure. I have tried to answer the basic question, by what standard? 1. I started with the case of Nebraska, ex relatio, Douglas versus Faith Baptist Church. What was at stake? The standard by which parents are allowed to raise their children. What is the standard? The Ten Commandments. 2. I briefly summarise the commandments as they would apply to the family. A. First commandment. No other gods means God owns the family. B. Second commandment. No other worship means the family that worships together stays together. C. Third commandment. No manipulation of God's name means man is to live by obedience to God's law and trust him for the results. D. Fourth commandment. The family is to allow God to sanction it by submitting to God's structure of time, worship and rest one day, and work the other six. E. Fifth Commandment. Inheritance comes through faithfulness. F. Sixth Commandment. An attack on man is destruction of the image of God, since the image is male and female, family. Murder is an assault on the family. G. Seventh Commandment. Adultery directly affects the marriage covenant, H. Eighth Commandment. Theft is an attempt to manipulate man, as we saw in the Third Commandment, paralleling the Eighth. Man is to live by ethics, not magic. I. Ninth Commandment. Children are to learn how to sanction properly. Bearing false witness is an unlawful sanction. J. Tenth Commandment. Coveting what belongs to another is an attempt to take someone else's estate, What could be added to this ethical standard? Jesus certainly didn't try to add anything. He said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfil. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. So, When a person accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour, he accepts God's righteous standard for his life. This is the standard for all families. If they lived by it and taught their children to follow it, imagine what kind of society we would have. Our forefathers fled to this country to be able to keep these commandments. Freedom to them was the liberty to obey God, not disobey him. How things have changed the state should not set another standard, but enforce this one. Parents ought not to teach another, but train their children in this one. The standard is set by God. In the next chapter, we will move on to the whole question of discipline.
one of the vital areas of the state's attack on the family is here. Who determines whether parents can spank their children? How far can parents go? Does the Bible set any guidelines for discipline of children? Let's turn to the next chapter and find out.